This is Kick-Ass News. I'm Ben Mathis. With all the stresses of life, it can be easy to lose perspective on what really matters. But Heineken believes that life is about being with friends and opening yourself to new experiences. Because when you live spontaneously and embrace the unexpected, it's a chance to create new stories and connections. You just have to open it. So enjoy a refreshingly cold, full-bodied Heineken lager today. With its deep golden color, light fruity aroma, mild bitter taste, and a crisp clean finish. Cheers! And now, enjoy the podcast. Hi, I'm Ben Mathis. Welcome to Kick-Ass News. In 1970, a young high school dropout named Richard Branson founded the mail-order music retailer Virgin Records, soon expanding the company to include a brick-and-mortar store on London's Oxford Street and a record label that went on to become the biggest independent label in the world with artists like the Sex Pistols and the Rolling Stones. Then, the record mogul known for taking risks founded Virgin Atlantic, which surprised critics and became a leading global airline fueling a growing travel brand that includes Virgin Australia, Virgin America, Virgin Holidays, Virgin Limited Editions, Virgin Trains, Virgin Hotels, Virgin Galactic, and now soon Virgin Cruises. Unafraid to venture into new territory, the Virgin Group's diverse portfolio of companies range from fitness clubs to healthcare and banking to telecommunications. Indeed, Sir Richard Branson is the only person to have built $8 billion companies in eight different sectors. Not content to sit on his money, Branson is also a philanthropist whose nonprofit foundation, Virgin Unite, tackles tough social and environmental problems, and he's a record breaking adventurer whose feat includes the fastest ever Atlantic Ocean crossing, a series of hot air balloon adventures, and kite surfing across the English Channel. With a life like that, it's hardly surprising that one autobiography just isn't enough for Sir Richard Branson. So now, 20 years after his iconic memoir, Losing My Virginity, the world's ultimate entrepreneur is back with the rest of the story in his latest book, Finding My Virginity, an intimate look at his never-ending quest to push boundaries, break rules, and seek new frontiers. And today, Sir Richard Branson joins me on the podcast to talk about the virgin philosophy, why he believes faster is better when launching a new business, and why many of his ventures are still born out of his own personal desires, including starting Virgin Atlantic after getting bumped off a flight by another carrier. He gives advice to young entrepreneurs and shares what he's learned from his ventures that didn't quite take off. He reveals his reasons for selling Virgin America to Alaska Air and suggests that it may not be the last that the U.S. airline industry is seen of Richard Branson. He also outlines his vision of the future with his commercial space company, Virgin Galactic, and his newest company, Virgin Hyperloop One. Plus, he talks about Brexit, his strange lunch with Donald Trump, his most harrowing adventures, and his habit of chopping off people's neckties, including my own. Coming up with Sir Richard Branson in just a moment. Thank 
you very much for reading it. I can normally tell when I'm doing an interview with someone whether they're bullshitting and the, or they'd actually read the book. I'll let you know at the end of the interview what, what I think. Let me just see. Let me just see how damaged the how damaged the. It's not that damaged, but uh, I usually do the e-books because I can yeah, highlight no, them. No, 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 he hasn't read it. <laughs> uh, well, today I'm talking with the founder of The Virgin Group, billionaire entrepreneur, activist, and adventurer, Sir Richard Branson. He's recently followed up his best-selling biography, Losing My Virginity, with a sequel chronicling the last two decades of adventures and accomplishments. It's titled Finding My Virginity. Richard, thanks for coming on the podcast. A pleasure, as always. <laughs> well, just look at you. You're so cool and relaxed. <laughs> you, you know, it must bug a lot of people to see a guy who runs this multi-billion dollar company, and yet you're so relaxed. It's like no big thing. Do you ever get stressed? Do your right, nerves sorry, get I, to I, you? I, I'm sorry about this, but... Um yeah, you are going to have to have to cut your tie off before we get going. So once oh, we're going to do oh 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 oh. Okay, right, we, we couldn't do. He doesn't look relaxed enough. He's, he looks, he's a chilled guy, but he's, I'm afraid. Do you, ties, do you uh, need ties, scissors? Ties, ties, no, that's it. Okay. Here we go. Oh okay. Oh okay. You come all set. All right. All right. I knew that that was going to. I, I don't dress this fancy on a Sunday to begin with, so I, I knew that it was just going to drive you crazy looking at the tie around my neck. No, well, I'm, I'm, if, if I wasn't looking at your tie, I'd be looking at your girlfriend. So you, you're um, so, okay. It's fair a, enough. It's a, um, right. What was your question? Now we've moved on to ties. Um, I have no idea. Um, I don't Does understand why um, uh, why business should be any different from. Um, from home life, basically. Mm -hmm. I think, I think um, you know, why should you be able to be relaxed at home, dress as you feel comfortable, um, and then when you go to business, suddenly you, you, you've got to be stuffy yeah. um, and boring. Um, it doesn't make sense <laughs> to me. So, um, so yeah, so I, I, I t we try with our own, with people who work for Virgin to make sure they can, they can dress as they feel comfortable. Yeah. Uh, they can... Uh, you know, work from home if they want to work from home. They can yeah. work from work. Really, and um, they can they can uh, you know t take take more time off without mm. any questions being asked if they want to. I mean, just <laughs> just try to treat people as as ad as mm -hmm. adults, and um, and that's that that's our approach to life. Is the nonchalance an illusion? Do you ever get stressed out? Do your nerves ever get to you when dealing with such a huge company? Um, I don't ever lose my cool um, yeah. because I think that's counterproductive um, uh, and I think um, you know it, it, it reflects badly on you and it, and it obviously hurts other people mm -hmm. um, uh, I love life I love people um, and uh, and I'm lucky I can sort of surround myself with a, a wonderful group of people who, who are determined to achieve achieve great things and uh, and over the last 50 years, between them all, um, you know, some wonderful things have been achieved. You know, a lot of people would probably say you should be stressed because you're known as a risk taker and you're known for taking on what others might consider risky ventures. How do you hedge your risks? Um, I do protect against the downside as best I can. Mm -hmm. So if I, I've done a lot of adventures in my lifetime, I suspect with those I should have protected against the downside <laughs> slightly more. I've been... At the end of the book, I talk about my 75 lives and how I came quite close. Um, and um, uh, but you know, if I'm climbing a mountain or whatever, I you know I do try to make sure that the, the downside is protected. Mm -hmm. um, 
when it comes to business risks, um, you know, I, I have no wish to have wasted 50 years of my life building businesses. So I very much protect the downside mm -hmm. in every new venture we do. Um, I suppose the most famous way of protecting the downside at Virgin was when we moved from the record business into the airline business. And we had one secondhand 747. And I insisted on doing a deal with Boeing whereby if the airline didn't work out, I could hand the plane back at the end of the first 12 months. And in that way, I knew that I could afford for the airline to fail without uh, destroying our record company. Yeah, and I want to ask you, because I've always heard that when you started Virgin Atlantic, you basically started it because you got bumped off of a commercial flight yourself. Is that true? Yes, I got bumped off. Um, I was wanting to get to see a beautiful lady uh, in the Virgin <laughs> Islands. And so I went to the back of the airport, rented a plane and um, borrowed a blackboard. And as a joke, wrote Virgin Airlines one way, $39, and <laughs> filled my first plane uh, with all the people who'd been bumped. <laughs> and uh, then the next day I rang up Boeing and asked if they had any secondhand 747s for sale. <laughs> well, in the book, you talk about your reluctance to sell your companies, even when there's a fantastic offer on the table. You recently sold Virgin America to Alaska. What was your arithmetic behind that decision? Um, well, the book uh, has a whole chapter on the sale of Virgin America. Um, it was a sad day. Um, uh, I, uh, when I set up Virgin America, um, the authorities insisted that I had non-voting shares um, because I was British and not American. Mm. Um, and the people who had the voting shares were... Um, the um, were, were venture capital funds, and uh, they looked. They, they were facing a very, very big return on their money invested. So, um, so they, they decided to sell, and um, you know we all made lots of money out of it. But that's not anywhere near as exciting mm -hmm. as being the fifth airline in America and getting out there and um, and. Uh, and, and, and becoming um, you know, the major force in America that I think Virgin America was uh, heading to become. And you know, Virgin America won the best airline awards for the last 12 mm -hmm. years. And I think it would have continued. They were great staff, great team of people. But anyway, these things happen, and we've picked ourselves up. And you have to, all I'll say is watch this space. Um, you, you may not have seen the end of us in the airline business in America. Did you ever feel that you were able to get a sufficient foothold in the U.S. market? Yeah, I think mm -hmm. Virgin America had a really, really good foothold, a really good niche. Um, it was just so much better than everybody else. Um, we still have Virgin Atlantic flying from most of the major American cities to Europe. Um, and that's you know our baby that's been going for 35 years. Um, but yeah, one day I'd love to love to come back in and um, as I say we'll, we'll, we'll see we'll see where we go on that one well I want to give you credit with this book because unlike a lot of business books it doesn't just discuss the risks that paid off you talk about the ones that didn't like virgin cola virgin cosmetics virgin cars virgin brides even what have you learned from all those experiences I assume you I think learned a book, as much a, a, a book would be thoroughly boring if it was just one big success story mm -hmm. I think um, you need you know, my first book, somebody um, wrote about it and said it's um, it's like a kiss and tell story with warts and all told by the author. Um, <laughs> and um, and this book, obviously, with, um, with with all the trials and tribulations of our space program, 
you know, we've had 12, 12 years of built building that, and mm -hmm. I think you know makes makes for a really good read. Um, uh, yeah, we you know we've 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 had a lot of successes. We've had um, some failures, just like the ones you mentioned. Um, fortunately, we cut things out pretty quickly, so we try things like mm -hmm. you know Virgin Brides. We tried. We didn't find any virgin brides, so we knocked it on the head pretty quickly. Um, and um, uh, and um, and I think what I've what what we learned was just make sure that anything you do is by far and away the best in in, um, in, in the best in the field. Uh, don't try to um, uh, don't try to uh, just do you know cop don't do, don't don't do anything average. Mm -hmm. And um, where we've created. Um, the best we've always succeeded and, and um, that's what we're continuing to do now yeah and you mentioned the speed with which you start up these companies and how most people in business think it takes about a year to get a company up and running you like to move much faster than that is the attitude if there's a chance we're going to make mistakes let's get them over with quickly then and either move on or, or, yeah, or, I mean, or it, it takes it, flight it, it's always difficult to um, to knock something on the head but mm -hmm. it's much better to do it quickly so that it doesn't end up uh, damaging the other companies you've already mm. set set mm. up. But I mean, I just like to try things. I mean, like you know, with Virgin Atlantic, our first airline, we literally tried with one secondhand seven four seven. If people hadn't liked it, we would have knocked it on the head. As it was, we've now got three airlines, three hundred planes around the world, and um, and it went from yeah one plane to three hundred. So um, uh, so. Yeah, trying things out is a good idea. You were disrupting industries before anyone even used the term disruptor, particularly with the Virgin Atlantic taking on BA uh, in one of probably your most public David versus Goliath battles. Is that the victory that you relish the most? I talk about a number of uh, similar victories uh, right. in, in the book. Um, the, um, uh, I mean... British Airways tried to drive us out of business and um, we took them to court and we won the biggest libel damages in history and it happened to be Christmas time and we just distributed them to all our staff equally at Christmas and it became known as the British Airways Christmas bonus and it, and, and it was, a, it was a, a really, 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 really happy moment for us all. Um, there was another story I tell in the book when um, uh, there was a new managing director of... Um, T-Mobile, which is a mobile phone company in the UK, um, and this man, uh, we had a joint venture with him, and he decided to try to invoke a clause in one of our contracts, which would have given him 100% of the shares for one pound, shares that were worth over a billion uh, billion pounds. And, um, and we took him to court, and the judge was so angry with him that he handed all their shares to us for one pound. Um, so we walked away with um, half a billion um, pounds worth of profit um, uh, as a result of that court case. And that definitely put a big smile on our face, too. <laughs> now, do you ever worry as the head of a multi-billion dollar company that one day Virgin may be seen as the Goliath to some young upstart David? Well, I think fortunately Virgin is made up of lots of little companies mm -hmm. and each of those companies are... Uh, the, the competitor company in their field. So Virgin Atlantic is still the competitor company to British Airways. Um, uh, you know, 
Oh, maybe, yeah, Virgin Galactic. I mean, maybe, maybe some people could argue that um, uh, we don't have any... Uh, well, we st we've, we've still got Elon Musk. He's a, he's a big, a big <laughs> competitor. Competition. And Jeff Bezos. He's pretty yeah. big. So, no, but I think by, by and large, yeah. we're, we're, we are more the, um, the, the David rather than the Goliath in most fields we're in. We're going to take a quick break, and then I'll be back with more with Sir Richard Branson when we come back in just a moment. Life can be stressful. And sometimes we lose perspective on what really matters. As we rush to achieve all the things we want in life, it can be easy to forget to enjoy the smaller moments along the way. But life isn't about following a common path or having a set plan. It's about being with friends, celebrating with loved ones, and living in the moment. Heineken believes that you create the richest memories when you embrace the unexpected and open yourself to new experiences. That's why Heineken encourages everyone to live spontaneously. Because when you embrace the unexpected, things like exploring new parties, enjoying the summertime, watching exciting soccer matches, and celebrating the holidays with your family, all become chances to create new stories and connections. You just have to open it up. So enjoy a refreshingly cold, full-bodied Heineken lager today. With its deep golden color, light fruity aroma, mild bitter taste, and a crisp clean finish. Cheers! Today I want to tell you about a new podcast you'll enjoy. It's called I Love You, But I Hate Your Politics. Political conversations are often tense, especially when they're with someone you care about. So if you're tired of unfriending your relatives on Facebook and you're already dreading seeing everyone for Thanksgiving, this show can help. On I Love You, But I Hate Your Politics, therapist Jeannie Safer uses her expertise to help couples and friends who care about each other but just can't see eye-to-eye -eye on political issues. In the first episode, CNN political commentators Margaret Hoover and John Avlon share how Sarah Palin nearly broke up their marriage and how they were able to stick it out. Hear Dr. Safer help guests like Margaret and John on I Love You, But I Hate Your Politics. Just search for I Love You, But I Hate Your Politics wherever you listen to podcasts and hit subscribe. And now, back to the podcast. As part of your desire to pay it forward to the next generation of disruptors, you seem to be spending a lot of time and money encouraging entrepreneurs and startups. Uh, what advice do you usually give to them? Um, I think the best bit of advice I can give is, is um, learn the art of delegation. Don't try mm -hmm. to do it all yourself or you'll burn out. And um, uh, find somebody who's better than yourself to run your business on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, and then you can get, you know, look at the bigger picture. You can make sure that you look after yourself, make sure you spend time with your family. Um, and uh, I think you know, if I had just had one bit of advice, uh, learn, 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 you know, learn to delegate. Well, I mean, that must be key to it because you have such a diverse portfolio of companies within the Virgin Group. I can't imagine that it's very easy for you to be a, a micromanager. I, I like to know what's going on, mm -hmm. but um, equally, uh, I like to um, delegate almost mm -hmm. completely so that, um, you know, and, and not to second guess people. If people make mistakes, mm -hmm. let them make a mistake. If people make good things, let them make a good thing. Um, and, um, and that frees me up to, uh, you know, when there's a crisis, like, you know, you know, the Caribbean's been wiped out by a hurricane. Uh, I can fly to Washington and see the World Bank and see the IMF and try to raise money to try to 
get the Caribbean back on its feet again. So, uh, so I try to keep my day-to-day everything clear mm-hmm. so that when there's big issues to be dealt with, I can deal with them. When you have such a diverse portfolio of companies in disparate sectors, how do they all fit into the Virgin brand? Is there a Virgin philosophy that binds these different ventures? Yeah, I think um, Virgin stands for um, fun. Um, it stands for offering great value for money. It stands for quality. Uh, it stands for re- real happy workforce. Um, and uh, and I think um, uh, you know I think anybody who came across a new Virgin company would know that, that we're not going to let them down and they, they will give us a try. And, you know, I very, very, very rarely find anybody who's disappointed. We were just talking about the origins of Virgin Atlantic, and it seems to me like it's a pattern that we see over and over again with you, whether you're talking about opening Virgin Records because the big labels they aren't putting out bands that you like, or whether you're starting Virgin Mobile because you have the largest monthly cellular bill in the UK. How many of your ideas still come from your own personal frustrations or desires as a consumer yourself? I think most of them, actually. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, uh, you know, we're going into the cruise ship business with Virgin Voyages because, uh, you know, I just don't fancy the idea of going on, uh, you know, the big cruise ships that currently exist and uh, the banquets and the, you know, just the way they do it. So uh, let's let's create the kind of cruise ship company that myself and my friends would like to go on. Um, let's create the kind of hotels, you know, we're just, uh, you know, opening one here in San Francisco in three months' time. Um, yeah, our first one was in Chicago. It's been you know, wonderfully received. Uh, you know, let's create the kind of hotels that we would like to stay in. Um, you know, if we're going to create a space line, uh, let's make sure that you know people can. You know, why do people want to go to space? They want to look back on the Earth. So make sure that we have big windows and <laughs> and um, beautiful, sexy um, spaceships and um, uh, and you know, wonderful, wonderful, good-looking space forts and. Uh, you know, just getting all the, all these all these details right. Mm-hmm. And your latest venture is uh, just a few days ago. You announced that you were making an investment in Hyperloop One, renaming it Virgin Hyperloop One. What's your plan for Hyperloop? Um, Virgin Hyperloop uh, can transport people uh, in in a tunnel um, at incredible speeds. I mean, you could go up to a thousand miles an hour, but wow. Um, if it was a straight line. Um, but you can comfortably go sort of 600, 650 miles an hour, even even with corners. And, um, and uh, you know, there are a lot of places in the world that where people would love to, you know, jump on a, uh, effectively a train uh, that goes at those sort of speeds um, or, and um, rather than go all the way out to an airport. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time people reach the airport, they would have actually reached their destination by jumping on the, on, on, on the train in the middle of the city. So, um, so there are plenty of places in the world that have expressed interest in, in getting a Virgin Hyperloop and, um, and a wonderful team in, uh, outside Las Vegas. Um, are, the test program's going great. So I think over the, in the next sort of two or three years, we should start building. You're not worried at all about cannibalizing your air business? Most of our air business uh, is long haul. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Virgin Atlantic is, you know, across the Atlantic and, and um, 
you know, flying long, long flights to the Far East. So, you know, maybe that's what, what one advantage of uh, Virgin America having been sold. Um, so. <laughs> now, did you have a conversation with Elon Musk before getting into Hyperloop? Um, not as such, but we're, we're friends. Um, yeah. we've, we've been, uh, yeah, we've been friends for many, many years. Um, and uh, the Hyperloop name, he's said, and, you know, anybody can use. I think, right. was, I think it was his idea for the for the name. Uh, the technology has been around for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, I think you know, we, next week we may be announcing our own unique name. Um, so, uh, so watch this space. <laughs> okay. Now, do you have any concerns that he may change his mind about taking a personal stake in the Hyperloop and create competition? Oh, it, it's quite likely he'll he'll start a competitor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think that um, Hyperloop One is ahead of the game. They, we've been working on it the longest. Um, uh, but competition is, as they say, always good, and <laughs> it'll sharpen everybody's yeah. pencil. You think there's enough room in that sector then? Yeah, I think yeah. there is. I think there's a lot of um, a lot of places in the world that can benefit from high-speed train mm-hmm. travel. And of course, that's not the only area where you and Elon's paths have crossed. Uh, Virgin Galactic and SpaceX have established themselves as the dominant players in the private space race. Does the Virgin Galactic vision of commercial space flight differ from that of SpaceX? Yes, I think um, Elon's dream is Mars, and that's his, that's his complete fixation almost. I mean, mm-hmm. any time you meet him, that's all <laughs> he talks about. Um, our um, our aim is to try to uh, improve uh, improve lives for people back here on Earth. So, um, you know, so at Virgin Galactic, we're putting you know with OneWeb this massive, big array of satellites around the Earth, which will connect many, many, many people who are not connected. Um, you know, we will try to make it affordable for as many people as possible to go to space. Um, and uh, only less than 500 people have been to space in the history of space travel. We hope to be able to do that pretty well every year. Um, we hope to be able to use our technology. I mean, we're the only people building a spacecraft rather than a giant rocket. Mm-hmm. Um, so people can go up and travel in, in a spaceship and then come back and land again, uh, that makes it easier for us to, to develop point-to-point mm-hmm. air travel. So I think um, I think all in all, um, we are, um, you know, we're, we're both doing different sectors and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and are compatible with each other. Yeah, and it, I think it shows how ambitious you are that when you registered Virgin Galactic, you also registered Virgin Intergalactic on the same day, right? <laughs> I'm... Uh, I'm um, I'm always uh, shooting for the stars. <laughs> the sky is not the limit. Yeah. Is. <laughs> well, the estimates for the first Virgin Galactic flight have been pushed back a number of times. As you said earlier, you like to start companies fast, but I think you've exercised <laughs> a, a rational degree of caution <laughs> with Virgin Galactic. Um, what's the estimated launch date at this point? I would um, hope that we're in space very early next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would hope that I'm in space before the middle of next year, and that, and I hope that we'd have people in space before the end of next year. But um, that's what I'm hoping. I'm not going to, you know, put, um, you know, but you know, we'll wait and make it, wait and tell, you know, let the test pilots test the craft time and time again, and and only go up when we're absolutely sure it's okay. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm in no rush. <laughs> you do what you have to do. Um, I, I have to ask about Donald Trump. In Finding My Virginity, you talk about your first encounter with him. Didn't he basically just invite you over to lunch to have a bitch session about all of his enemies? <laughs> yeah, I think he did. It was, it was a strange it was a strange lunch. Um, I, and and I, I walked out wondering why he, why he didn't invited me. And um, I think it makes a good chapter in the book. Um, my dealings with Donald Trump, I think, are quite revealing. Mm -hmm. um, but it didn't stop him becoming president. <laughs> so he invited you to lunch without any particular purpose to it or any proposal at the end of the lunch? No, none, none huh. whatsoever. He just um, <laughs> wanted to tell me about five people who had crossed him uh, in his, in, when he was last bankrupt who wouldn't give him any money and how he was permitted to spend... Um, uh, his life's mission was to go out and destroy these people. I mean, it was, it was very strange. Yeah, and he later wrote you this typical nasty Trump letter, you know, kind of attempting to belittle your achievements and even saying he doesn't even believe that you're a real billionaire. But from everything I know about you, it seems to me like you're not the kind of guy who measures his worth or his happiness in his status as a billionaire. I imagine that's pretty low on the list probably for you, actually. I, I think it should be very low on anybody's list. I think, um, you know, when you look, when you read your obituary one day, if, um, if your obituary says, um, you know, su such and such was worth X amount of <laughs> X amount of dollars when he died, uh, that's a pretty unexciting obituary. Um, if you read an obituary about your life, well, you're not going to read it because, but if your children read an obituary about your life and uh, it, and, it, and it talks about what you've achieved in your life and the difference you've made to other people. Uh, that's worth reading. Yeah. What was it Andrew Carnegie said? Uh, the man who dies rich dies disgraced. So you're spending a lot of time and money on charitable ventures and philanthropy, like the elders and whatnot. Yeah. I think that most of my time is now spent on trying, trying to make a difference in this world, trying to use the position I find myself to be able to pick up the phone to pretty well anybody maybe except for the White House and get and get through and get things done. Um, and um, and I, I think if you get yourself into that position, you, you, you really owe it to the world to um, do, do everything you can to make a difference. And so mm -hmm. we've set up organizations like the elders to, um, you know, with Nelson Mandela and Grush and Michelle, his wife, and a wonderful group of people, um, President Carter, Mary Robinson, Kofi Annan, and so on. Uh, you know, to go into conflict regions and try to resolve conflicts. When you've tried to do that, has it been well received when you sort of parachute into some country and try to resolve it? By and large, yes. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, there, there, um, yeah, there, 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 there are some countries that are, uh, you know, who would rather, you know, if they're dictatorships or something, they would rather mm. not have the elders arrive. Right. But, <laughs> um, but um, you know, when, when Kenya was falling apart after an election that was a bit fraudulent, um, Kofi Annan and Archbishop Tutu and Grush and Michelle went there and uh, knocked heads together. A coalition government was formed and it avoided, I, I think, a really bloody civil mm. war. So sometimes it works. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes it doesn't. You were also very vocal against Brexit, and you've said more recently that you're skeptical that it'll ever actually happen. Why is that? Well, what I actually said was I'm worried that it may happen, but, mm -hmm. but if it does happen, I think um, within a few years, because the vast majority of young people don't want it to happen, um, as young people get older and older people die out, um, 
I think it will be reversed. Um, mm. The uh, you know Brexit's going to do a lot of harm to Great Britain. It's going to do a lot of harm to Europe. And I think young people realise that they want to be able to live in 28 countries. They want to be able to work in 28 countries. They don't want to be restricted to one country. So I think um, I think. Uh, there will be an election mm-hmm. sometime in the not too distant future, will, which will reverse it. Now you spend, I, th- I think, a maximum of ninety days in the UK. You spend, I guess, the majority of your time on Necker Island. Um, do you still consider the UK to be a business-friendly environment? Um, I, um, yeah, no, I, I uh, do. I think the, um, I, th- I think. <laughs> I, th- I, I think Bre- I mean I think Brexit, Brexit has definitely yeah, um, uh, yeah definitely has de- has mm-hmm. done a lot of damage to the UK. I mean it's gone from being number one uh, uh, in gross national product uh, growth uh, to bottom of the league in yeah. Europe um, since Brexit was announced, and I think it will it will get worse. Mm-hmm. President Obama spent, uh, I guess, about a week or two on your island, Necker Island, right after I think they left the White House. Uh, did he and Michelle seem pretty happy in their post-presidency? Very happy. I mean, I think, um, uh, obviously worried about what was going to happen in the White House um, uh, because they literally arrived the day after Trump took over. Um, but they were determined not to let it worry them and determined to have a good holiday, which they hadn't had in eight years. So mm-hmm. they, they let their hair down and uh, and um, President Obama learnt, learnt to kite surf and had a great time. <laughs> now, before we go, you've had a number of harrowing adventures in all manner of contraptions. Uh, what do you think is the closest shave you've ever had? Oh, dearie me. Um, <laughs> well, I, in my book, I talk about my 75 clothes, clo- Close misses and seventy-five lives, everything from um, uh, from ballooning uh, to microlites to parachute jumps to uh, I mean a parachute jump where I I open I got rid of the parachute instead of opening the parachute skydiving attempt and I got the uh, Wally of the decade award <laughs> for that. Um, anyway, you have to read the book to find out. Oh, okay. More, so, <laughs> got to got to have okay. one 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 plug for uh, finding my virginity. Absolutely. Again. Now, what, what's your next adventure? What do you think that'll be? Space. Oh, space. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be up 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 and away sometime <laughs> next year. Well, again, the book is called Finding My Virginity. Richard, it's been fun. Thanks for talking with me. Pleasure to talk to you. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks again to Sir Richard Branson for joining me on the podcast. Order his new book, Finding My Virginity, on Amazon or download the audiobook at audible.com. Keep up with Richard Branson at virgin.com or on Twitter at, at Richard Branson. You deserve a better email marketing platform. And unlike other email providers, Emma puts its customers first. It's powerful email marketing with a personal touch. Their award-winning team is always ready to support you on your email marketing strategy, design, list migration, and more, so you'll have everything you need to do your best email marketing yet. Request a customized demo of Emma's email marketing platform today at myemma.com. Again, that's myemma.com. Also, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Kick-Ass News on Apple Podcasts and rate and review us while you're there. And please take a moment to take our listener survey at podsurvey.com slash kick so we can get to know who's listening and it's also helpful with our advertisers. 
Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at at KickassNewsPod. And as always, I welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions at comments at KickassNews.com. For now, though, I'm Ben Mathis, and thanks for listening to Kickass News. Kick-Ass News is a trademark of Mathis Entertainment, Inc.